All right, I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the book of 1 John chapter 5. Now, you're going to notice on the screen that I have 1 John 5, 21. And as I was sitting here, the Lord asked me to, to go ahead and read verse 19 through 21. So we're going to throw you a little bit of curveball. It's not all on the screen. How many of you actually have a Bible in your hand? If you do, say a good amen. amen. Or you've got it on your phone. Listen, as wonderful as technology is, there is nothing like having the ability to turn in the book. So 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21, this is a beginning of a two-part series entitled Lay Down Your Idols. Verse 9 says this, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Now, the Apostle John ends this, this whole book with this last sentence. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Father, this morning I pray that we would decrease, that you would increase, that this word would impact us powerfully over the next two weeks. Thank you, Lord, that you will minister not only to our hearts, but allow us, Lord, even to minister in our community through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Little children. I want you to get a lot of times there are messages like this that you can preach that can be done with a shouting, you know, almost like a fire and brimstone. This isn't that. This is a teaching. The Apostle John looks at the people that he has spent his life pouring into and he says, little children, you're new in the Lord. You've given yourself to God in the middle of the culture that you're living in that is full of idols. You know that there is one Christ, that there is one God. He's in you, you're in him. The truth lives in you. And he says, keep yourself from idols. What a powerful fatherly instruction. In many ways, to the modern Christian, this kind of a verse almost seems hardly worth mentioning. We ask ourselves, who actually in our day deals with the sin of idolatry? We know and we see throughout the Bible, believers both in the Old and New Testament are warned about sinfulness, about folly, and about the wickedness of idols. The Apostle Paul is especially adamant about setting up idols and about being deceived as he teaches and raises up new disciples for Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, he says, but I fear. People say, well, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't live in fear. How many of you have parents have hopes for your children? You ever watch your kids get involved in things and you begin to fear for certain things they're doing? You ever been there, you're watching them do certain things, you're like, yeah, but I fear if... But I fear least somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. Everyone say that word simplicity. Simplicity that's in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit 
which you have not received. Now watch this. A different message and a different spirit. A different attitude. A different way which you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted. You may well put up with it. Someone said the greatest threat to biblical Christianity today is not atheism. It is not militant Islam. It is not the sexual revolution that's taking place now. It is, uh, it is not this thing that has filled the public square with its ideology. The great threat to biblical Christianity today is weak, soft, man-centered, sin-affirming, ear-tickling, flesh-pleasing, self-help theology. I want you to hear me that what is taking place right now within churches, what is taking place throughout the world has not been a Christ-centered gospel. It has been an ideology that has not lifted up Christ, but man's ideas. Please hear me. God is exposing that in spades right now. In the last week, a ministry that we have loved and has actually been a part of the Assemblies of God movement that was out of Australia was just has been brought low. Listen, it is heartbreaking to me because I love that pastor and his wife. They've done so much good for the kingdom of God. But please hear me. The Lord is dealing with the, the teachings and the things that are going on within the body of Christ and within the world in a very strong way. And how many of you know we need that to happen in Jesus' name? When I saw that the Lord was having me preach this message I thought it was strange. As a matter of fact, when I began to pick up the study materials to do it, I put them down. I didn't feel like preparing this message. I didn't like it. And I felt the Lord stirring it in me, but it wasn't coming, and I even put it away for a week. As a matter of fact, I looked at my calendar that it was supposed to be a two-week message, and I scratched out week two, and I figured it'll just be one. And as the Lord began working in my heart and in my spirit, I actually wound up putting it back on the calendar at two. I hadn't even begun studying. And then I saw very clearly that this was something God was dealing really with the body of Christ, but in our church. The truth is that in the American church and even in our church, although I know of no one who is bowing down in their own homes to an actual idol or a foreign god, that God is working on this idea of things that are ahead of him. I clearly heard God say to me, there are many who have idols in their life and they do not even realize that they have placed something in their life that is at the head and not me. Listen, the sin of idolatry is rampant in our country and it is rampant among people that are in churches. We hold ourselves as Christians so far above those that we read about in the Bible and even in the world today who have bowed down to graven images of stone and wood while we slave away at the altars of money, success, and achievement. Someone said that the problem with deception is that it's deceiving. 
A person who is deceived believes that they are correct and on the side of truth. And the scary reality is they are not. I want you, if you're taking notes, to write this down. An idol is anything in our life that has first place in our lives over Jesus. An idol is anything in our life that has first place in our lives over Jesus. It may be something, it may be someone that we love or treasure, it may be a position or a title, it may be success, it may be anything that we trust in, depend on, or give ourselves to, someone or something that we love or esteem or treasure more than God. An idol, listen, is anything that captures your heart more than God and asks of you what only God rightly deserves. An idol may be another Jesus. Something that we call God, that we worship as God, and even believe that it is God, but it is not. Again, I want you to write this down. An idol is our version of God. It is God that we have made in our own image. Listen, we were made in the image of God. And as his creation, it is not ours to make a God in our own image. Now watch this. A God that's made in our own image is a God who thinks like us, desires like us, acts like us, and holds the same morals and values that we treasure, but they don't line up with what God has said in His Word. Tell someone right next to you, you've got to know the truth. Go ahead, tell them real quick if you would. Right now I can tell you, I am watching as a younger generation of ministers are coming up, and they are making a God in their own image. They will say, well, I don't want to know what the generation ahead said. I don't care what you're telling me. I'm listening to what I think God is like. And I'm telling you, I don't like this, but I like this. And so I'm going to tell you what I think God really is. Please listen to me, church. We have been watching that take place throughout the body of Christ now for the last 25 years. And there have been ministers that have been preaching it. And the Apostle John said this to young believers, I am afraid that people will do that and you will put up with it. And I can tell you, a lot of Christians are putting up with it. I know they are. I have Christians come to me, people from our church, people from other churches, people that I've known, and they say, well, I don't believe that, I believe this. I have found over with the 30 years that I've been in full-time ministry that I have been able to watch other things that are being taught, the new fad, the new ministry, the new evangelism, the new TV show that people are watching and they're going, this guy is awesome, he's great, he's new, and they flock to it. And I've been around long enough that over the years, pretty soon they're exposed to be false. Listen to me, you and I need to be careful Listen, an idol is anything that usurps God's rightful rule 
in our life. 1 Corinthians 10, 14 in the Amplified says, Therefore, my beloved, run. Keep far, far away from any sort of idolatry. And that includes loving anything more than God or participating in anything that leads to sin and enslaves the soul. Hear me, there is a reason that the first two of the Ten Commandments deal with the issue of idolatry. That issue was prevalent then, and it is relevant now. Exodus 20, verses 3 through 6, the New Living Translation says, You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth, or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, I want you to listen to me. Idolatry in the life of a parent has far-reaching impact on the family and on children for generations. I want you to hear me right now. There is a reason why we do not see churches full of young people, teenagers, and college-age people right now in the life of our country. Almost every church is saying, where are the young people? And there is a reason for that. Even though Christians may recognize that idols are sinful, the truth is that all humans have a propensity towards idolatry. And the reason that we look to idols, whether it is a graven image or an idea of Jesus that isn't really identical to the one that is in the Bible, we look to those idols because they make us feel like we are in control of our lives. Despite that feeling, it really actually becomes the idol that is in control over us. Tony Evans, the great pastor out of Dallas, says idols are so deceptive that they will simultaneously block the flow of God's grace and attract demons to situations in our lives. Listen, I don't want you to miss that. Behind every idol, there is a demon taking our attention and affection away from God. Listen, I want to tell you, make sure that God is first so that you're not being messed with by the enemy. Come on, someone say a good amen. Listen to me, that success, that business, that person, that admiration, all of us are susceptible to idols. Even as reformed sinners. How many of you are a reformed sinner in here today? I hear Christians say, well, I'm a sinner. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a reformed sinner. If you've been saved and washed in the blood of Jesus, you're now a saint. Come on, someone say a good amen. As reformed sinners, we are constantly finding empty replacement gods to worship and adore. Satan is always placing before us something, anything that will take our adoration Worship and the Lordship away from Jesus. We must understand 
that idolatry is such a massive issue to God because what we worship, we become. Idolatry is a serious problem. It's also a common problem. If the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and strength, then idols actually become our greatest sin because idolatry clouds our thinking, it distracts our focus, and it ultimately keeps us from glorifying God. If you're taking notes, the Bible presents two categories of idols. One is internal and the other is external. The word idolatry in the Greek falls into two parts. First, it deals with actual idols made of stone or wood or any material that is formed into a statue and worshipped as a deity. And while this sounds foreign to many of us, this type of adultery is, uh, idolatry is practiced all over the world, even in our community by Buddhists, Hindus, and even many Roman Catholics who revere and honor images of saints. This past week, the Pope was decided that he was going to consecrate Ukraine to the sacred heart of the Virgin Mary. Listen, I want you to hear me. That's called idolatry. Listen, you can concentrate a country to Jesus, but listen, how many of you know Mary has passed away? She's alive in heaven, but we don't pray to her, we don't worship her, and she can't do a thing for you. Understand, we've watched idolatry in that form take place right before our eyes in a very public way this week. The second part of the word means to work or to serve. And it primarily has the meaning of one's extreme devotion and service to something he worships. The act of idolatry happens when an individual gives their complete and uninvited attention, devotion, passion, love, or commitment to a person, a project, or an object other than God. And when something other than God takes first place in a person's mind, they have entered at least to some extent into the sin of idolatry. And while idolatry in the outward sense deals with the actual worship of a false god, idolatry actually deals with what and whom we worship in our heart. There are many people who outwardly appear to be worshiping God but inwardly they have more in common with someone who says they love their spouse, but they always have someone other than their spouse on their mind. If we are not extremely careful, our family, a spouse, a parent, children, friends, a job, a hobby, a dream, a vision, a profession, a school, church activities, even a ministry or our own talents can unintentionally become the focus of our worship and service. We find ourselves serving in our own self-consumed life, giving our best effort and our uninvited attention to the fulfillment 
of our own self-interest. Mom and Dad, I want to tell you, I remember when I was growing up, we came to church every time the door was open. And I know that that got to be a little much. How many of you know that got to be a little bit of legalism? But here's what happened. The pendulum swung the other way. And we became so devoted to our children that we stopped bringing them to the house of the God. They had to go to baseball. They had to go to a race. They had to go to football. Whatever took place on Sunday came first. And now we wonder why they're not in church. Mom and dad, don't let your children become your idol. I know it got quiet. We must understand that idolatry must, we must make sure that God has the first place. Any idol is any person, place, or thing, or thought which you look to in order to determine your decisions before you look to God. I've watched as many Christians have discovered other books, leadership books, business books, and they've become their encyclopedia instead of the Word of God. They go from one guru to the next guru, and they pick that up. I've watched as pastors have done that over the last 25 years, and they pick up leadership books, business books, and instead of seeking God for what they want to do in their church, they find out what the latest trend is, and they go with that. Can I tell you, he must be our first thought, our first go-to, a one that we seek his advice. He's our decision maker. He's the one that we trust over everything. You see, whomever or whatever influences us to the degree of making a final decision in any area of our life other than God in our life is an idol. And if we are not looking to God and to his word as our final decision on anything, that is an idol. Listen, how do you answer these questions? More than anything I want. I need blank. I fear more than anything. I love more than anything. I'm seeking. I'm trusting. I'm taking refuge in. What do you think about when nothing else demands your attention? Where do you spend? most of your money. What, if you lost it, would make you feel worthless? What, if you gained it, would make you feel complete? For three years, the Lord put me at Real Life Children's Ranch. I left my, a church I was pastoring. He had me be at Real Life Children's Ranch. And for at least a year and a half, I felt lost and like a failure. God, why am I not pastoring a church? I sent my resume out. Listen, it should have been no problem having a church answer that call. For three years, the Lord kept me out of a pulpit ministry because the ministry had become something I desired over anything. My identity became in what I did and what I was doing instead of in Jesus Christ. And the Lord had to bring me to a place for three years where I'd be willing to lay that down. I looked at those questions and what what did I trust in? What did I want more than anything? Who did I hope in? Where did I find my identity? And God had to make sure that I could have that answer straight. Whatever fills those blanks that isn't found in Christ is an idol. Your answer will probably tell us what you worship the most in your life. You do not have to own 
a carved stone statue of a painted god in your living room in order to be an idolater. And if we were attempting to place any other person, project, or office, or object in your life on the same level with God, we're committing a form of idolatry. Someone said this, we serve what we obey, and we worship what we come into agreement with. Let me ask you, who has the final say in any situation? Your spouse? Your finances? A friend? A book you read? A list that you made? What dictates your direction? Listen to me. You cannot serve God and popular opinion. You cannot serve God and look to be a people pleaser. You cannot serve God and dishonesty. Dishonesty. You cannot serve God and pride at the same time. If you're taking notes, write this down. God will reveal the idols in our lives as we come to him in prayer. When you and I make prayer our primary and our priority, very rarely we will find that we have idols because we put God first. When you seek him every day, And if there are idols in our lives, when we pray, God will reveal them to us by the way that he answers our prayers. There were some prominent men in Israel. And they came to the prophet Ezekiel, and they wanted direction and guidance from the Lord. And these leaders wanted to appear as godly men, but inside These men had idols in their hearts and idols literally in their homes. Sins that no one knew about, but God knew. I want to say there's been things going on in the body of Christ right now, people that you would have never thought, and God's exposing it. Listen, church, can I tell you, I'm so thankful that God's bringing that to the surface. He wants to present to himself a church that is pure and holy. Ezekiel 14, 1 through 3 says, Now some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of at all, by them. Yeah, that's powerful. A lot of Christians don't get into the Old Testament. Can I tell you, there's a reason you should get into some of these prophetic books. One of the reasons that many prayers go unanswered is because some people only follow God when it suits them or when they need help. Otherwise, they are content to go about their own life in their own way. God told Ezekiel, these men are coming to you saying that they want a word from me. They want to walk in obedience to my command. He said, but they're lying. Listen to me. Within the body of Christ, I can tell you there are many who say they want to follow Jesus, but they don't. 
On the outside, they look like they're following God. They have all the appearance of godly men. They walk like it, talk like it, look like it. They know the lingo. They know how to just, you know, wear it a certain way. And then they come in and they sit and listen to me. Please hear me. Just as it happened with Ezekiel, God is going to work through godly men and women in our day to know the difference between those who really have a heart for God and those who don't. Those that have the appearance. Listen, God is breaking down every wall, every religious appearance, everyone that is saying they want to follow God, but inside they don't. On the outside appearances, they're respected men of God. But inside, they're idol worshipers. These men had not just set up idols in their homes. They had set up idols in their hearts. It was how they believed, conducted their lives, and even what they trusted them. All of them had hidden sins. And no one could tell by their appearance and talk, but behind closed doors, they had hidden secret idolatry. I love going to people's homes. When I was a youth pastor, one of the first things I did when I went to visit one of my youth is, I want to see your room. I want to see your room. How many of you know your room will tell me a whole lot about you? What you keep in your room? I know. Now listen, some people are messy. That's not adultery. That just means you need to clean up. Some people are very tidy. So people, I remember I walked into one teenager's room and right on the wall was one of the biggest bikini pictures I'd ever seen. And I walked in and there it was. <laughs> that told me not only a lot about the teenager, it told me a lot about the parents. I walked into people's homes and sometimes it's funny. You know what they're doing. People always like to clean up for the preacher. That's why I just like to show up at people's homes. Listen, listen, because... I love to do that. People go, well, well, are you judging me? No, no. Listen, wherever I go, the kingdom of God comes with me because he lives inside of me. If I walk into the room and, and, and you're convicted by what you got in the house, deal with the Holy Ghost, not with me. Listen, I love you. And listen, I want to see those things out of your home, but deal with the Holy Ghost. If he convicts you, why do you got it there in the first place? We can have the conversation. I am not afraid of those conversations. Well, who do you think you are? Listen, I'm just the man of God. So are you. Filled with the Holy Ghost. An idol of one elder may be different from another. For one, it may have been lust. For another, the desire and need for recognition. For another, a desire for power. For some, it might have been some lustful desire of the flesh. Those men were caught in a war. On one hand, they wanted to hear from God, but on the other, they wanted to continue to keep that idol before their eyes. And the idol had become a stumbling block that led them into all kinds of sin. God told Ezekiel, these men have been captivated by their sins, and I see it. The sin is before their eyes. They see it. It is known to them. They know it has a hold on their heart because I have told them about it. They are convicted by it, and they know what is hindering their relationship with me. Christian, I want to ask you this morning, what sin, what idol is in your life? You know about it. God has shown it to you, but you have done nothing with it. 
How can we expect God to speak to us about things we desire when we continue to entertain things that he has already spoken to us that break his heart? In Psalm 66, 18, David's talking to himself. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Can I tell you, Someone needs to hear that today. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Church, I can only tell you that when God told me to speak this, he told me to speak it like John was speaking to people in the midst of a sinful society. Listen, in Corinthians and in those cities that they were in, those apostles saw idols all the time. And those Christians were torn between the idols that they had been used to and the Jesus they had chosen to serve. The way their life normally was in the past and the way that they are trying to live for the Lord now. Listen to me. John looked at them and he said, little children, I want to speak to you this morning. Many are harboring secret sins. It may not be adultery. It might be stealing. It might be something in your life that has been placed before God. And secret sin is called secret for a reason. No one's supposed to know about it. And the truth is that most won't know, don't know, or even care to know, or even supposed to know. But God knows. In Luke eight seventeen, it says, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. I want to tell you this is a comforting thought for those who walk and who love righteousness. It is terrifying to those who harbor secret sin. I have observed that many people who harbor secret sin and can't hear from God will often turn to people who do hear from God when their prayers are no longer being heard. That's why these men were coming to Ezekiel. Their prayers were no longer getting through. And it's only when we turn from our secret sin and return to God that he hears our prayers. In Ezekiel 14, 4 through 6, God said, Therefore, speak to them and say, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart, because they are all estranged from me by their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, repent. Notice he said, say. He didn't tell Ezekiel to yell at them. Repent. Turn away from your idols. And turn your faces away from all your abominations. You see, the problem with an idol 
is that it's no longer an abomination to us. Something that we once knew was wretched in the sight of God has been something that looks good to us. We like it. We've reasoned ourselves into keeping it, even though God has spoken to us about it. The way that you restore your prayer life and your relationship with God is the same as dealing with any sin. Repent. Someone say that word, repent. I want to tell you in America, we're wondering why God isn't moving. Can I tell you? We've regarded iniquity in our hearts. Christians and a desperate desire to get along with everybody are going along with what they're pouring out in society. May we not go along to get along. That doesn't mean you have to be rude, ignorant, and a jerk. But it does mean that we have to stand for truth. Can I tell you, right now there are agendas that are being pushed on society and Christians are going, well, I don't see the big deal with that. As a matter of fact, we're beginning to embrace it. If I'm going to be loving, then I have to embrace that. The Bible calls those things abomination. Like what? The homosexual agenda. Why would that become the prominent thing that the world is pushing? Because if you get the heart, God must judge sins. Church, if you love your country, you will speak the truth in love. And you will not become a part of those abominations. Watching them, enjoying them, making a part of your entertainment, making it just another part of the life. I want to tell you that we must as believers, make sure that we call an idol what it is and stand for truth and resist those things in our life. I want to ask you this morning, what is God dealing with you in your life? I want you to know I'm looking at my paper because I know that if I start looking at people, you'll wonder if God's telling the man of God that there's something going on in your life. Sometimes he does. But when I've been speaking this message, you can feel the tug of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is. Listen again, when I started preparing this message and knew it would be a two-parter, I told you I put it down. I'm going, I love my church. I know the people at Harvest Community. I don't know anyone intentionally that's sitting bowing down to idols in their house. Listen, some of you might have some idols in your house. Some of you might actually have a Buddha or something in there going, this is just decoration. Listen, you've just invited a demon god into your home. Listen, I remember when I was growing up, you know, people would have owls and they go, if you got an owl in your home, oh my goodness, if the devil goes in owls and it's a spooky thing, you should get the owl statue out of your house. Give me a break. Listen, how many of you know, don't get on the weird side of things. Can I tell you, I have grown up in church all my life. Some of you people have some of the dumbest ideas. And you say, well, pastor, why would you be that blunt? Because it, when you begin to get on that, then people go, if all that's crazy, then everything's crazy. 
That's another trick of the enemy. But what are you bringing in your home? What do you allow your children or grandchildren to watch? What are you focusing on in your life? Listen to me. If the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, it's time to lay down that idol. If he's not tugging at your heart, thank God. But if there is something, I want to tell you my prayer is that the body of Christ will again put Jesus first. And for a long, long time, there has been a battle all throughout. And listen, we faced it at times in this church. I believe we've overcome that. Someone say a good amen. Amen. Jesus must be first. But that battle, my preferences, my ideas, my things, what I want, what I want to see. But the Bible says that we need to seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Would you stand with me this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just, listen, this doesn't have to be drawn out and dramatic. Here's what I know. If there is something the Holy Spirit is tugging on you, it's time to lay that at the feet of Jesus. A person, a desire, success, whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking. Maybe there's a secret sin. No one in the church would ever believe that you would have that. Listen, the truth is we don't need to know it, but God does, and he wants you to give it to him. Father, right now across this room, I thank you for people that love you, that have a heart for you. Lord, as Greg was saying, there is such a sense of a specialness of what you're doing in the life of this church. And Lord, as we come to you this morning, you are the name that is above every name. We place you at the highest place in our life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, because of this message, I am not calling people to the altar. People say, well, preacher, you should do that. No, no, no. Because then people are just looking. This is between you and God. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, right now, I want you to take that thing. You may like it. You may love it. It may be such a part of your life, but God says, I want you to lay it down. Today, we need to do that. Father, we lay that thing at your feet. That person, that sin, that desire, that thing that, that gets us going, it gets us up, but it's not you. I pray, Lord God, that you would forgive us for putting anything in our life ahead of you. Father, I pray that as a church, God, we would stand for truth. And that, God, there would be no secrets, nothing hidden. Lord, I thank you that we live in a day that what is hidden is being revealed. And, God, there's not one of us that wants all of our stuff revealed for the world to see. Lord, I pray for that ministry that this week has just seen devastating things. They've been such a a vital part. Lord, I'm going to name them. We pray for the Hillsong Church. We pray for Pastor Bobby and for Brian Houston. Lord, they have blessed 
the body of Christ. We pray you would restore them and heal them in the name of Jesus. Lord, there's been a hit piece put out on Discovery Plus where they look into Hillsong and everything that's wrong. Lord, the enemy and the world, that's what they do. But Father, we're not going to kick our brothers and sisters while they're down. Lord, we pray for every one of those congregations that they would know the peace and goodness and help of God. Lord, we pray that in every one of our lives that we would be restorers and not those that point the finger. We would be those that help protect the innocent as well. Lord, we pray for all those that were hurt by what's gone on, that, Lord, they would not forsake Jesus, but, God, they would be healed and they would find hope and a place in the body of Christ again. Father, we pray that right now as we lay these things at your heart, that, God, we invite you in to fill that place where that idol might have been, where the compromise was, that, Lord, you would see purity and righteousness and holiness. And we thank you that you'll do it. Father, may what you're doing in this church come from a place of purity in every one of us, inside and out, that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Everyone said a good amen. I pray the Lord's blessing on you. Have a great week. We will see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock.